Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ, and welcome to the audio ministry of Christ Church of Livingston County. The following are three excerpts from a Covenant Renewal Worship Service led by Pastor Dirk DeWinkle, teaching elder at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. Our call to confession this morning is from Proverbs 24, verses 5 and 6. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. For by wise counsel you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors there is safety. This proverb could also be rendered that a wise man is better than a strong one. And knowledge is better than strength. The principle is that wisdom is powerful and knowledge is effective for gaining victory. Why is this so? Well, wisdom is humble. The wise man looks outside of himself for information. Wisdom aligns itself with the laws of nature and with the realities that exist in our world. A wise woodworker works with the grain instead of against it. A wise wrestler will use leverage and timing to to defeat a stronger opponent. This humility also means that a wise man understands that other people's perspectives are valuable. In a multitude of counselors there is safety. Now most of us aren't kings, we're not all declaring war on people or nations, but the principle reduces down. We are all engaged in our own personal battles or struggles. Whether we're trying to be successful in our careers, or trying to serve our families, or trying to live well before God, there is wisdom in seeking guidance. Counselors are helpful, and they can take a variety of forms, a parent, a sibling, a friend, a coach, an elder or pastor, or books, or even the internet or blogs. The point is that you're looking outside of yourself for help and insight, and you have a disposition that is receptive to input. That said, all counselors are not equal. You must use wisdom and discernment. The proverb says, by wise counsel you will wage war. That means that you must go back and weigh your counselors by the measure of Scripture. Because ultimately God and His revelation is the standard. And here we need to confess our shortcomings of this standard. Too often we close our hearts and minds to the revelation of God. We forget His truth. And we don't act in wisdom and knowledge. Sometimes we piggishly push forward in our pride, unwilling to receive any input, because we think we know better, we think we know it all. Other times, we refuse to discern foolish counsel. We will listen to the substandard wisdom of our world and jump on the latest fad or bandwagon, treating it as if it were the gospel, putting our faith in something other than our only Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
This reminds us of our need to confess our sins, so if you're willing and able, please kneel as we pray to God. today is all about prayer. But first I want to tell you about something that Molly told me. So Molly told me about one of her professors at college who said that there were only three answers to prayer. Yes, no, or not yet. Moreover, if you prayed to a tomato, you would get the same answers. What do we say to that? I mean, this has an appearance of wisdom, right? I mean, you pray to a tomato, it would say, you, if it happens, it's yes. If it doesn't happen, it's no. If it doesn't happen until later, it's not yet. It really makes prayer look silly, though. And obviously, as Christians, we reject it. Because surely there is more to prayer than that. We reject it because God is on the other side of the address. We pray to God, and God does answer prayers. And He blesses them too. And He blesses them because they are obedience. We are commanded many places in the Scripture to pray. We're commanded to pray without ceasing. And we're commanded to bring our petitions and our requests before God. And one of the primary places this occurs in Scripture is in our text today, Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. Jesus tells us, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, you will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven Give good things to those who ask Him. Our text this morning teaches us a vital principle about prayer. Jesus tells us to be bold in our prayers. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock, and do that because they are effective forms of request. We are, we are commanded to presume upon our God's graciousness towards us. That's not presumption, it's belief. Now all the terms that he uses here, he says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. They're very vague terms, aren't they? What is it? Asking it will be given to you. What is it? These are very vague terms. And Jesus meant them to be vague. 
What are we supposed to seek and find? We're told that if we seek, we will find. But what? Which door are we supposed to knock on? The point isn't the specific prayers that Jesus is commanding us to make. It's the principle. Asking has results, as does seeking and knocking. Both verses 7 and 8 say the same thing. They say the same thing. Asking you will be given to you, seeking you will find, knocking it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. And to him who see, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. They're saying the same thing. And the implication is that you are invited to share your desires, your concerns, and your wants with God. Jesus is telling us to be as bold as brass. And then he tells us why. Why is he telling us? Well, first, because you will receive what you're asking for. But second, he's telling us the reason why that works is because God's disposition toward us is mind-bogglingly generous. Our God wants to bless us. He gives us a little parable about evil fathers and their generosity to their own children. He says, you know, if, you, if your son asks for bread, are you going to give him a stone? And first century bread was like a round loaf. It would have looked sort of like a smooth stone. God, uh, uh, fathers don't do that to their children. Fish and serpents, they don't look that different, but serpents are not food and fish are food. We know, by nature, we know that we still have enough of the image of God in us, that by nature we understand that we need to give our children good gifts when they ask for them. And Jesus is telling us, in this argument, it's an a fortiori argument, which is a how much greater than, or how much more, from the lesser to the greater. He's telling us how kind and generous our Father is. And there are two big things going on here. First, Jesus is continuing on with his theme in the Sermon on the Mount that God is our Father. And second, our Father, our God, knows how to give good gifts. So first, he's our Father. He's a perfect Father. Jesus compares us to our Father. And, he's, and, and notice that, what's, what, what are the, the, the comparison? The, the fathers that he's talking about in the, in the parable, what are they doing? Are they doing something bad? No. He says, no, which one of you would, would do that? Of course not. It's a rhetorical question. Of course you give your kid the bread. Of course you give the, your kid the fish. And yet, those fathers who are doing good things are comparatively evil. If you, being evil... Compared to your Father in Heaven who is absolutely holy and absolutely perfect and is the perfect Father, you are evil. And He is the definition of good. This perfect, holy, and good Father is close to us, each and every one of us, in an incredible way. He is love. And He cares about us, individually. Notice when Jesus told us to pray earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, how did he tell us to pray? Not as the hypocrites. Well, how do the hypocrites 
Great. Well, they do it on the street corner, right? But Jesus tells us, no, you go into your closet in private where nobody else will see you, and then you pray. So this good God who knows how to give good gifts to his children is our Father. He's that close to us. And he cares about us. And Jesus is revealing that that is the kind of Father that we serve, the kind of God that we serve, the kind of God who is the God who created and made the entire world. And he cares about each and every one of us so that he will listen to us in our closets. And God knows how to give good things to those who ask him. Being God, he knows what we need. He knows what we need before we ask him. He knows what we need when it's not what we are asking for. He knows what we actually need in reality because he defines reality. And he knows how to bestow his good gifts upon his people, his children. He knows what the good things are, and he knows how to give them to us. But this is very important. Just because God knows what we need, and he knows how we're supposed to get it, Jesus is insisting that we still ask him for it. We need to ask. We need to, we need to ask, we need to seek, and we need to knock. So fathers give good things to their children all the time, often without their asking. As does our God. He gives us, I mean, when's the last time you remembered to ask for clean air to breathe, right? No, oh, here you go, there you have it. God gives us good things all the time, all the time. Clean water, running water, hot water. It's a good thing. I didn't pray for it, I forgot. God gave it to me. God gives us good things all the time without our asking. But earthly fathers delight in it when their children ask for good things. Earthly fathers who love their children... When, when they see their children looking and observing and identifying what good things are, and then they ask for those things, that delights our hearts. And certainly God is delighted when his children do the same thing. And earthly fathers, we have, we have obstacles because we are, what did Jesus say? Well, being evil, that's us. We have obstacles to fulfilling the needs that our children present to us. God never has to fight off his own sinful impulses in meeting our needs. Because he doesn't have them. He is perfect. He has none of those. He has nothing interfering with his generosity. Think about it. Sometimes your kids ask for a good thing and you don't have the resources to give it to them. You don't have the money or whatever. You can't do it. That's not God's problem. He has all the resources in the world. Sometimes you don't have the time to do it. That's not God has all the time in the world. He can hear each and every one of us. If we all went in our closet at the same time and prayed, God would be able to hear and answer every one of our prayers. No limit on what He's able to do. 
So God knows how to give good things to his children. In the parallel passage to this in Luke chapter 11, he defines what good things are for us there. He says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give instead of good things? He says, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. The Holy Spirit is the... Think, think about that. What does God give us when He gives us the Holy Spirit? What is that? Jesus, when He was leaving, and He told His disciples, Look, it's better for you if I go, because unless I go, I cannot send my Spirit. What is the Spirit? It's, and now Jesus was no longer confined to one locale. Now we, each and every one of us, have access to Him by the power of His Holy Spirit, which God, God's giving us Himself. He gives us everything when He gives us the Holy Spirit. All we need to do is ask. Similarly, James tells us uh, to ask for wisdom. In James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. See the same, getting the same vibe here? God is good and generous. He likes to give to you. Any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. What did we read about wisdom this morning in the Proverbs? Well, it's stronger than strength. That's stronger than brute power. Wisdom is seeing the world through God's eyes. Wisdom is similar to be, being given the Holy Spirit. But now we run into difficulties. Jesus has commanded us these great commands. Ask with great promises and it will be given to you. He promises God is good and he loves you. But we run into difficulties. Sometimes we have obstructions to, to our prayer, our praying. So what what obstructs our praying? Sometimes we don't believe. We don't believe what Jesus has told us here. We don't believe in God's goodness. We, we, we know, we know that God is out there. We know that he's powerful and he has all power in his hands. And we, but we think of him as distant from us. We think of him as not plugged into or specifically caring about what's happening in my life today and tomorrow. Is it, he's not, he doesn't care that much. He's not that invested. This is, it's, it's, a, it's almost a micro-fatalism. God's in control, but you know I'm just going to have to take whatever comes. Because that's what God has for me, and that's good. So we don't ask Him to fix our problems. Sometimes we doubt. This is similar to not believing. 
James tells us, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. And and remember, what's the context of the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus has come to preach a gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Which when he's asked about it, they say, well, where is this kingdom? And he says, it's it's in the midst. You're in the midst of it. It's all around you. But obviously it's not so easy to see with fleshly eyes. We need faith in order to see it. And faith is a gift. So don't doubt. Believe. Believe the gospel. Believe what Jesus tells us. If it's true, we are Christians. We bear witness to its truth. So when we pray, we pray in faith, trusting God to do what's right. Another difficulty that comes in the way of our prayers is pride. It's too easy to ask God for stuff. That's too easy. Sinners often reject the gospel because they think it's too easy. They want want to, to earn it somehow. To... To, to humble yourself and to confess your sin and then you're just forgiven like that? That's too easy. So sometimes we don't pray because we don't think about it. It's too easy. We, this, this trial is for a good, good cause. It's good for me. Another subset of pride is that we think we can get what we want on our own. We don't need to pray about it. I'm going to work for it. I'm going to grasp and, and get it. I'm going to take it. But James tells us that that's, the fruit of that is sin. James 4, verse 2, he says, You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. Do you want stuff? Well, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to go about pursuing it. Did David want the kingdom from Saul? Absolutely. Could he have murdered Saul? Well, many times, yes. Did he? No. Instead, he prayed. And he had faith. And he prayed for deliverance. And God gave it to him in his own good time. Another reason that we have problems with prayer is disobedience. We disobey. Jesus tells us to pray. He says, Paul tells us, pray without ceasing. We've, we don't. We just don't. Another problem can be presumption. Uh, James 4 verse 3. You ask and do not receive. Because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. That's a hypocritical prayer. That's praying for our own glory, for our own desires, and not taking into consideration what what it is that God 
wants. And this one here is probably a subset of disobedience, but it's stupidity. <laughs> we, we, we just get too busy. I don't have time to pray. I, is Martin Luther uh, would get up early every morning and pray for a long time. And then uh, somebody approached him and said, well, what if you have a really busy day? And then he said, well, then I pray longer. Because <laughs> it's important. We have to believe in our God and we have to commune with him in prayer. We need to believe what Jesus tells us about our God, that he's good and he wants to give us good things. We need to ask him, we need to seek him, and we need to knock on the doors that he puts in front of us. So this means we need to do some self-assessment. We need to look and consider our own hearts. Because Jesus didn't tell us what we need to pray for, did he? He was vague. He said, ask and it will, it will be given to you. Jesus didn't tell us what we need to pray for. Seek and you will find. But what are we supposed to seek? What are we trying to find? It says, knock on the door. Which door? Where am I trying to go? What am I trying to get access to? Well, God is that big that everything that can fill those answers fits, as long as it's within God's word, within God's will and his desire for what's right and what's good, as long as it's seeking his will. So self-assess. What do you want? That's what you pray for. What do you desire? That's what you pray for. Consider yourself. Know yourself. Look at yourself and recognize and acknowledge what your desire is. And then be bold and ask for it. Because you can believe that the God who's in heaven and can give it to you desires your blessing. So what should we want? That's the next question. Because if we're going to look at what do I want, maybe a better question is what should I want? Because we don't want to be, be, be where James has just told us not to go. We don't want to ask amiss. We don't want to, to spend it on our own pleasures. We are slaves of righteousness. We are servants of Jesus Christ. We are to be doing the work of the kingdom of heaven. So what should we want? What should we want? The answer is, go to the scriptures. Go to the word of God. Jesus gave us a model prayer. We just covered it a couple weeks ago, a month ago or so. Follow the model. Pray for God's glory. Pray for his kingdom. Pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray for the daily needs that you have. Pray for forgiveness and for grace and for protection. Go to God's word. Pray the Psalms. The Psalms are prayers. Pray that God's glory will be magnified and his praise proclaimed. Those are genuine desires that we should have in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit who wrote the scriptures. That's why they, they're faithful in telling us what we should pray for. Pray for righteousness and justice to be established. Pray for vindication. 
when you're being oppressed. Pray for victory over enemies. God loves to bless His children. Pray for repentance in your own heart. Pray for a humble spirit that looks to God in faith, that trusts Him. Pray for God's revelation to your heart. Pray for the oppressed. Pray for those who are unjustly persecuted. Pray for their deliverance. And then thank God for His works and His promises and His salvation. Thank Him. Be thankful. Voice your thanksgiving to Him. Go to the Psalms. It's full of good stuff to pray for. Pray for the church. The Psalms calls it the assembly. Or the gathering of the people. The Israelites. Pray for the church. Pray for the church. Pray for those in our body. Pray for your elders and your deacons. Pray for your, your brothers in, in the pew next to you. Pray for those that are close to you, that you know, your children, your wife, your husband, your parents. Pray for your siblings and your nephews and your nieces and your cousins and your aunts. Pray. Pray for them. Pray for those who don't even know you, that you know about. We, we have such great access to so much information these days with the internet and with television and radio and just media of all kinds, newspaper. We have, there are so many good things to pray for in our world. Pray for the establishment of the church. We have good models for this in the epistles of Paul. Paul writes to the, his epistles to the churches, and, and pretty much all of them he says, and I'm praying for you all the time, every time I make mention of you in my prayers. He's praying for the church. He's praying for, he's even praying for those he didn't even meet yet. He's like, well, I heard about you. I'm praying for you. So pray for the church. Pray for the sick. Pray for those who need healing. We see this all through the New Testament. Well, in the Old Testament. In the Gospels, Jesus is constantly praying and healing. As are the, as are the disciples. And in Acts, the same thing is going on. In the epistles of Paul, praying for the sick. James tells us, James 5, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then he tells us how Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Prayer is powerful. Prayer works. So, so desire the things of God and then pray for them. What do you seek when you pray? What are you looking for? 
says, ask and it will, you'll receive, or ask and it will be given, seek and you will find. What are you looking for? Well, you look for what you're missing. What are you missing? Again, self-assessment. Prayer is as much about learning who we are as it is about asking God for what we want. When we pray, we, we, we are brought into the presence of our God. And it gives us clarity to see ourselves. Prayer is as much about learning who we are as it is about asking God for what we want. So figure out who you are and then pray. Seeking implies persistence. Persistence. In fact, this is a common thread in Jesus' parables about prayer. He's got the persistent widow that's begging the judge for righteousness, for justice. She's persistent. You've got the persistent friend who, who wakes up his buddy who's asleep in bed with all of his kids, and the, the guy gives him what he wants because he's persistent. These, he was seeking, he was seeking food, he found it. These examples know what they want and they seek it. The ones in the parables. And from history, there's a great example. John Knox wanted Scotland. And so he prayed. He prayed this prayer. Give me Scotland or I die. But he was seeking Scotland. He was seeking Scotland. You have to be careful with this proverb. There's a colloquial proverb that goes, God helps those who help themselves. You have to be careful with that one because it doesn't mean that we can pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. It doesn't mean that. Not biblically, anyways. But there's an aspect of it that is true, indeed. Knowing your heart and persisting in pursuing your desires while aligning them with God's revealed will is a powerful combination to accomplish what you seek. Pastor Wilson always says, God doesn't steer parked cars. So start driving. Figure out what it is that you're seeking and then pursue it persistently. And then God, can, he can direct that. He can, he, can, he can guide that. Another thing that we need to seek is what is lost. And that fits right in line with give me Scotland or I die. God came to save the lost. Jesus goes out. He leaves the 99 to go fetch that one sheep. The widow rejoices when she finds her one coin that was lost. Seek what is lost. Go bring the gospel to the nations. Pray for the spread of the gospel. Pray for the lost sinners that you know in your lives. Because prayer is powerful. And finally, consider yourself. Self-assess. Why are you shy? What is preventing you from knocking on that door? What's keeping you? Jesus has just told us right here. It's the promise. The promise in the verse. Knock and it will be open to you. 
To him who knocks, it will be opened. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? What is preventing you from seeking and walking through that door? Knocking on it. Trying to gain access. Then stop balking at it and start knocking at it. Go out and take dominion of the world that God has put in front of you. And believe and pray. God loves you. Believe it. It's that simple. What's the gospel? God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe on Him would not, should not perish, but have eternal life. Believe on Him. Believe that our God is the God of heaven and earth, and that He comes to give to us, His children, good things. Believe it. God loves you. Believe it. He sent Jesus to die and reconcile you to Himself so that you can go in your closet and talk to Him. Why would you put down that mighty sword? Go in your closet and talk to Him. Pray. And don't doubt. Believe. In Matthew 21, we learn the power of faith. Now in the morning as Jesus returned to the city, he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves, and said to it, Let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? And Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Believe. Don't doubt. And you will receive it. But part of this belief is obedience. And obedience is praying and doing good works. The power of prayer is in Jesus Christ. In John 15, Jesus, this is a famous passage where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Okay? So Jesus tells us, abide in me. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather him and throw him into the fire, and they are burned. But listen to this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. The power of prayer is in obedience to Christ. It's in becoming like him. And this is why we pray in Jesus' name. Jesus tells us in John 14, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So we have our Lord's command, and we have his reasonings behind it, his justifications for it, and we have his promises of the fulfillment of of our desires and prayers, all that's left is for us to do it. So in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, let's pray.
no tomato. And anybody who would ever suggest that he is or that he does not exist is a fool according to his revelation. Our God is the sovereign and all-powerful creator of all things. He is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, who gives us his assurances and promises of his love and blessing. He is our loving Father who gives us good things. And the best thing he ever gave to us was Jesus Christ, because in him he gives us all things. Here at this table, we remember Jesus' death on our behalf. And in the eating and drinking of this sacrament, we are united to Jesus Christ by the power of His Spirit through faith. And we participate in His death so that we might participate in His life. Christ's body, broken for us. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to these excerpts from the worship service of Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in these messages, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact Pastor Dirk DeWinkle through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.